Welcome to Christian Overcomers. I'm Pastor Ben Heath, and I'm going to take you on a line-by-line study through Daniel chapter 4. You know, God hides and reveals many mysteries all throughout the Bible in dreams, visions, and historical types. We're going to discover one of those in this chapter. Not only will we see a great tree reaching up to heaven, representing the great earthly king of Babylon and all of his pride. But I think we're going to be given some clues here as to what the tree in the midst of the Garden of Eden was. That tree that was named the tree of knowledge of good and evil. All right. So a fascinating study. This book of Daniel is so riveting. I tell you what, and it's so timely with what's going on in the world today. Let's get into his word. Uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king, unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all of the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. Okay, this Nebuchadnezzar was a very, very powerful man. Uh, he was the king of the world at that time. Okay? And he's addressing the entire world. Let's see what he has to say here. He says, I thought it was good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. Okay, now check this out. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Okay, so what we're going to be seeing in this chapter is is a very beautiful um, testimony by the probably one of the most powerful men that has ever lived on the face of this earth. He, in this chapter, he's going to be praising God and acknowledging that he is the one that's actually in charge, God is, from generation to generation, regardless of who's sitting on the throne over this kingdom or that kingdom or who's the president of this nation or that nation. God is on the throne. He is in control. We must never forget that now. Just because God's on the throne doesn't mean we sit back and let him do all the work. Because he's got work for us to do, my friends. We don't use that as an excuse to be lazy. Say, well, I don't need to vote because it doesn't matter. God's going to put whoever he wants as president and and those types of things. Or, hey, we don't make a stand against the government when it, it infringes upon our freedom to worship as we please to worship God as we please. Okay? We don't, we don't, that doesn't, just because God sets up kings and takes down kings according to his will doesn't mean that we don't ever stand against them. In fact, we are actually commanded to stand against them at times. Okay? So let God be God and take care of some of those, the things that we can't take care of, but the things that we're supposed to be take, taking care of as servants of his kingdom We ought to be about our business, okay? And I bring that up because so many Christians today use, I mean, they're totally unconnected with what's going on in the political realm. 
They think, oh, everything's all, it's only about personal salvation. That's all we talk about. Are you saved? Do you love Jesus? Are you born again? And they never get into the meat of God's word. All right. So anyways, uh, this is an amazing testimony by Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house. Okay, he's telling us uh, the story here. And flourishing in my palace. I mean, I had it made. I was rich. Things were going well. I, was, I had this created this great kingdom. Verse 5, I saw a dream. I saw a dream, which made me afraid. And the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. All right. You know, when we're getting prideful, God has many ways to get our attention here. We're going to see that this, this nightmare that Nebuchadnezzar is having, prophetic nightmare, is, is given to him because, as we're going to find out, because of his pride. All right. Because of his pride. Verse 6, Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. All the wise men, you know, again, all the guys that are ahead of this institution and that institution, uh, the guys that had this degree and that degree, all of the experts, right? All of the experts, Verse 7, then came in the magicians, the astrologers, and the Chaldeans. Again, all these classes I was just talking about. And the soothsayers. And, I, you know, soothsayers. It makes me think of the pastors today. How many of them just soothsay their congregations? Tell them things that sound nice. Love, love, love. That's all the Bible's about. Just love everybody. Don't ever get into understanding what truth and righteousness is. Just love everybody. Have you ever heard that before? Oh, you've heard it in one way or the other. It's basically the soothsayers, these Babylonian soothsayers have basically taken over our seminaries and our churches today. All right. And I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. Okay? Just like before, the wise men of Babylon were unable to interpret the dream of that Nebuchadnezzar had in chapter 2. Okay? Um, and, you know, it, again, it doesn't matter how many worldly credentials one has. Uh, no one can understand the prophecies and the mysteries of God's Word without the help of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Okay? Think about that. God hides many of these mysteries from all of the most educated people of the world and delivers them to common people, okay? It's the way Christianity has been since the beginning. It's beautiful, beautiful. Verse 8, but at, 
At the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belshazzar. Okay, Belshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him, I told the dream, saying, okay, so Nebuchadnezzar renamed Daniel uh, in the process of trying to get Daniel to assimilate into Babylon by, uh, uh, you know, renaming him after his own God rather than the God of gods, okay? We talked about that in chapter one. We we won't go into that here. But um, so... um, here we go. You know, it's interesting. Nebuchadnezzar, he saw something in Daniel that wasn't in these other people. And the Holy Spirit has a way of doing that today. Those of you that, that are, um, that, those of you who, whom the Holy Spirit dwells within, people just know that there's something different about you. You have wisdom. You have common sense. You have peace of mind. You have something that most people don't have. Verse 9, O Belshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee, tell me the visions of thy dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. Okay? He said, now notice, again, no secret troubleth thee. No secret trouble with thee. He knows that there's, again, there's something about Daniel. He knows that Daniel, that God is with Daniel and that that he, if, if anybody would be able to figure this out, he would be able to figure it out. Verse 10, thus were the visions of mine head in my bed and I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and the height thereof was great. Okay. Now, This tree is in the midst of the earth. I'm just going to say this in passing. I can't help but think of another tree that was in the midst of the Garden of Eden back in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, i.e. the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And there seems to be some connection here. You know, Nebuchadnezzar worshipped the God of learning. In fact, that's Nebo, which makes up the first part of Nebuchadnezzar's name, is um, the God of learning. Okay, That's who he worshipped. So it, it's interesting that, um, if, I'll, I'll say this, if, if you know how to look, if you know how to search for these mysteries, you always find out that the Bible interprets itself. And many times God, like I said in the introduction, God reveals deep truths hidden within other stories in the Bible, other historical events that were types or that are often types or patterns of something else. Okay? In this case, Nebuchadnezzar appears to be a type of the tree of knowledge of good and evil or Satan himself. Only difference is that Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to find out Nebuchadnezzar repents and has his kingdom restored to him while Satan is doomed for destruction. Okay? So in other words, what I want you to do is, hey, maybe draw a parallel between this tree and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. 
All right, verse 11, the tree grew and was strong and the height thereof reached unto heaven and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. Okay, just imagine looking out at the horizon hundreds of miles away and seeing this huge tree reaching high up into the sky, all the way up into heaven. That's what God is describing here. Of course, it's, it's a figurative tree, but that's what Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream. Could you imagine the impact that that would have upon you? Verse 12, the leaves thereof were fair and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, or the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. Man, I, I tell you what, this tree is something else. It Not only does it reach into heaven, but its leaves were beautiful. It had enough fruit growing on it to feed the entire world. It even provided a place of refuge for all of the animals and birds. And of course, this is just, we're going to find out this is describing Nebuchadnezzar's greatness. But could it also be describing Satan's greatness in the Garden of Eden before his fall? Possibly. Verse 13, I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven. Okay. Now, what are these watchers? What's Nebuchadnezzar talking about when he says a watcher? That's somebody who's looking at what's going on, right? But it's not just a regular person doing this. This is a holy one from heaven. Okay, There are angels with specific duties to watch what is going on in the earth. They, they look at what's going on with the kingdoms of this world. You know, many Christians don't even pay attention to what's going on with the kingdoms of this world. Yet, a great deal of the Bible is talking about the kingdoms of this world versus the kingdom of Almighty God. And they don't see the battle taking place today between globalism and the kingdom of God or the, the true church, the remnant that stands up for the testimony of Jesus Christ, that stands up for the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 12. Okay? There's, there's a, the angels are paying attention to what's going on here, okay? And they come and go even to this very day, both good and bad, both good and bad angels. Verse 14, he cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit. Let the beasts get away from under it and the fowls from under his branches, okay? So now this, this great tree that reached to heaven, this angel cries out loud. I mean, it's not, he's not saying, hey, by the way, cut down that tree. He's shouting it. He's shouting it. Cut down this tree. And then strip it of its branches and scatter its fruit. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. 
Now this is interesting. This enormous tree was cut down to the stump, but it was saved from total destruction. Now, have you ever cut down a wild fruit tree uh, in your yard or something like that? You'll find out that when you do so, um, oftentimes the, the uh, trunk will shoot up new branches. Okay? Well, well it'll, the, the roots there and the, and the trunk that's left will actually, new trunks will start coming out. Okay? Um, and so, so what's the point of this band of iron? Why do I bring this up? Well, the band of iron appears to be placed around this trunk of the, placed around the trunk of this tree to prohibit it from growing back, at least while the band of iron and brass is around it, okay? Verse 16, let his heart be changed from a man's, from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. Now that's very interesting, my friends. Uh, many people talk about the book of Revelation. They talk about the last seven years uh, and, and how that the beast or the Antichrist reigns on the earth for that period of time. And here, here Nebuchadnezzar, we got a type here of Nebuchadnezzar. He's, he's up in his pride. And, um, you know, he's, uh, um, he has his heart changed from a man to the heart of a beast. For seven years. Okay? In a, well, in other, I mean, there's a debate on what these times are. But um, in other places in the book of Daniel, where times are mentioned, it's referring to a year. Okay? A full revolution of the seasons. Okay? And it's... And, um, and uh, well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue on here. We'll go to the next verse. Verse 17, this, this matter is by the decree of the watchers, okay? And the, and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent. Now check, now pay close attention because this is really what this chapter is all about. To the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. In other words, this dream is given to Nebuchadnezzar so that the entire world would know that God is on the throne. He ruleth. He rules this world. And for the time being, he'll let other people reign for a period of time. And then he'll take and allow other kings to reign. But they're not doing so on their own power, my friends. They have no authority except for that that God allows them to have. Okay? So, never forget that. God is on the throne. Even during the time of the Antichrist, God is still in charge. The Antichrist, that beast is actually just doing God's work, okay? And sifting out and getting the harvest ready. All right? Verse 18, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, 
Declare the interpretation thereof, forasmuch as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able, okay, the wise men of his kingdom are not able to make known, uh, he says, make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Of course, the wise men of Babylon were unable again to interpret the dream, okay? No surprise there. Just like the wise men of Mystery Babylon today, they never get it right, okay? They never get it right. Everybody wants to trust them. You know, you got the, the Fauci's and the Gate, Bill Gates and those people. Oh, let's just, let's listen to the wise men. Hey, I t I'm not going to listen to the wise men of Babylon. I'm going to listen to the word of God. Who are you going to put your trust in? You know, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't put his trust in the wise men of Babylon. He could only put his trust in Almighty God and in the servant and servants that God has sent with wisdom and understanding. Verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astoned for one hour. He was astonished, and his thoughts troubled him. And the king spake and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. In other words, you know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, don't worry, Daniel, just tell me the interpretation. But Daniel says back, he says, hey, this dream is not good. Your enemies are going to love this. Obviously, because he knows it's about the downfall of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 20, the tree that thou sawest which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven and the sight thereof to all the earth. He's explaining him the dream now. Daniel is explaining to Nebuchadnezzar. 21, whose leaves were fair and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. Okay, all the people, all of the animals, everybody trusted in this tree. Verse 22, it is thou, O king, you are the tree that are grown and become strong for thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the, the king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven and saying, hew down the tree and destroy it. Yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord, the king. You know, many people think the Supreme Court is the law of the land. And some people are hoping that there will be a, uh, a world court. But I tell you this, 
There is a court in heaven, my friends, more powerful than any court on this earth. More powerful than whatever it says is final. And any court that passes judgments contrary to the court of heaven will one day answer. Will one day answer. Verse 25, that they shall drive thee from men and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over thee till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. You know what? Nebuchadnezzar has to learn the hard way here. And sometimes, today, people still need to learn the hard way. They get swelled up with pride against God. They don't want to listen. And then all of a sudden, their tree is cut down. In a moment, their life falls apart. And it ends up in a total disaster, a total mess. And they wonder, what has happened? And the key is, what's happened is that they need to repent. Okay? They need to repent. Verse 26, And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. In other words, uh, God says, through Daniel here, after you learn your lesson, after you understand that the Most High God is on the throne, I will restore to you your kingdom. Okay? That's why the, the stump of the tree was left with the roots. God didn't totally uproot Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, but he did cut him down for a time. All right, verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness. Isn't this what we do upon repentance? Nebuchadnezzar's life is the life of an unrepented sinner until he repents. Do you see the beauty of it? Before one repents, they are in pride. They are in rebellion. They say they don't need God and all these other things. And all these other things. But one day, if they want, if they want, to have everything restored, they must repent, okay? And thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of tranquility. Verse 28, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and at the end of 12 months, okay, 12 months after he had been given this dream and, and the interpretation, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of God. Babylon. Okay, now check this out. Maybe after 12 months he thought, no, nah, this isn't going to happen to me. I'm still great. Watch verse 30. The king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Now check this out. 
Look at, look at Nebuchadnezzar. He's saying it's by my power, my might, my majesty. I've built this. What happens next? Verse 31, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. While he was saying, I, I, me, a voice came from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. Okay, It was not, Nebuchadnezzar was not in control. God was. And you know, a lot of people are so terrified of this uh, virus, this COVID-19, that only kills not less than 1%, not even, it's basically a 0% of those infected. But nevertheless, they worry and they say, we got to have, everybody's got to get tested. We got to take all these measures. My friends, you know, we cannot live our lives in fear. God is on the throne. He is in control. He can snuff this virus out tomorrow if he wanted it ended. But maybe he wants this stuff to go on. And again, this is just, that's been way overblown for political gain. And I'm not going to go into that today. Um, but anyways, the, the point being is we are not in control. There are some things we control, but ultimately there are things that only God can control. Hey, whether we live, there's a day, everybody's going to die. That's guaranteed. Unless, of course, uh, you're living at the time uh, when Jesus returns and, and some people may uh, be transfigured into their spiritual body at that point. But nevertheless, we know at some point this, this flesh is going to die. And you don't know exactly when. All right, verse 32. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until, here it is again, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Okay? Now, Nebuchadnezzar is going to go crazy here, what we're talking about. He's going, to, he's going to go from having the heart of a man to a heart of a beast. And he is going to go absolutely insane. He's going to lose his sanity for seven years. We'll talk about that in a, a little bit more in a second here. Okay? Uh, verse 33, the same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he immediately when that voice came down from heaven, as the words were, as the boastful words were in the mouth of Nebuchadnezzar, that same hour he was driven from men and did, did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were growing like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar was, he, he thinks he's an animal. And evidently God has given him some disease or some, something that makes him believe that. And again, I can't help but think of the beasts of Revelation chapter 13 here. Okay, I believe God's trying to make a connection. How, how, do, you have the, the, how do you have so many of these odd parallels? And they're... It can't be an accident, okay? Um, you know, I'll say this. In a sense, anyone who refuses to humble themselves before God is not any better than a wild beast. 
Perhaps that's the point here. Okay. Perhaps that's the point. Are you a beast or a man? Stop acting like a wild beast and start getting into God's word chapter by chapter and verse by verse so that you can get your mind clear. All right, verse 34, And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is from ever is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. All right? Hey, you want your wisdom back? If, if you've... If you've, if you've gone into a state of confusion, if you want your wisdom back, if you want your mind to think clearly, all you've got to do is humble yourself before God. That's the lesson here. That's the testimony that Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest, probably the greatest pagan king that had ever li lived, is giving us here. What a testimony, my friends. Verse 35, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Okay? No one can question God's authority. Okay? He will do what he wants to do. And I know, yeah, we got a lot of uh, governors today in America who think they are a bunch of little gods and they can tell the church when to open and when to close its doors. But I tell you this, they do not have that authority, my friends. And um, I'm going to be talking about that, uh, hopefully, God willing, weather permitting, um, this Sunday at the, at the Minnesota State Capitol. All right. Uh, let, let's pray that that event goes through again, if it be God's will. We will be there, and we will thunder out that message that uh, these little governors who think they're little gods, they better keep their damn hands off of the church. All right? All right, verse 36. At the same time, my reason returned unto me, and... For the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom. And excellent majesty was added unto me. Now look at the graciousness of God. Upon repentance, God actually restored everything that Nebuchadnezzar had, and he even gave him more than what he had. Beautiful. Okay? This isn't going to happen for Satan, though, by the way. Satan will not repent. He has no opportunity to repent anymore and is doomed to destruction from within. Verse 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Okay? Here we have a pagan. Here, once again, I, I just can't say this enough. Here we have a pagan world ruler repenting and praising God. 
Boy, I wish we'd see more of this today. Wish we'd see more of this today. In conclusion, what we've seen here throughout this chapter is that, that pride comes before destruction. If we raise ourselves up, God can cut us down. He did it to Nebuchadnezzar. He can do it to us. Um, he, can, he can also do it to the Antichrist. He'll do, it to, he'll do it to Satan when he puts Satan in the pit for a thousand years. But again, Satan won't come out of that pit to have his honor and majesty restored. Um, he will come out of that pit just to go into destruction. Okay? But we, upon repentance, can be built back up and restored to life. All right? Never forget that. This was such a beautiful, beautiful testimony of a converted sinner, a man who was completely filled with pride, who turned and looked up to heaven and acknowledged that God is on the throne, not him. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If so, please like, share, and leave your comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, stay in his word every single day so that you can be a Christian overcomer.